Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. I'm, I'm glad that you're doing so. As a few of you may have noticed, or maybe a lot of you, I reverted back to my old ways uh, this past week. And for those who may have just started listening, perhaps even just started listening to the podcast on this episode, here's what I mean by that. So when I first started recording the podcast, I recorded my first episode, waited a week, and then right on that mark of one week since I published the first episode, published a second episode, then I was three weeks silent until the next episode, and then another three weeks until the next, and then I published uh, the week after. I, I had a really erratic uh, publishing schedule at the beginning and didn't really get into the swing of things until the start of, gosh, I can't even remember. I guess it was season two when I started regularly posting episodes every two weeks or so, and then the Sights to See and Places to Be series kind of filled in those those off weeks with shorter episodes. But um, I say all of that to say this. I am sorry that I forgot to publish an episode of the Sights to See and Places to Be uh, this past Monday. Um, I have been kind of overwhelmed a little bit by school and that it's been much busier than I was anticipating it would be. Uh, you know, just coming back from Christmas, trying to get back into the swing of things in terms of keeping a schedule with homework and other things that I've got going on. But I am going to endeavor from now on to be uh, faithful in making sure that I get an episode out every Monday. And so I appreciate your guys' patience on that. I uh, appreciate your understanding. Uh, and I look forward to publishing an episode of Sights to See and Places to Be in Appalachia. It will be there. I promise you can hold me to that. Save this bit of audio and tell me, listen, you said you'd publish it, so get it out there. You all hold me to account. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. Before I go any further and before I forget, I have a favor to ask of you guys. So I, I don't quite know the breakdown in terms of how many of y'all are listening on what platform. I know Spotify and Apple are the two biggest platforms. But um, what I want to ask is if you could just take a few minutes to um, give the podcast a rating or a review on whatever platform that you're listening on, if, if, if you're able to do that, uh, please do so. Uh, I would love to hear your all's opinions directly about uh, what you like about the podcast, what you would change, your general attitudes. Uh, don't hold anything back. I promise you won't hurt my feelings. Uh, but I, I just want to know what you all think, how you all think I could maybe change things up a little bit, any kind of input, opinions that you guys have, I, I would be so happy to hear each and every one of those. So uh, if you could, again, on whatever platform you're listening to, if you're able, uh, leave a review, a rating, uh, let me know what you think. So I am so excited for this week's episode. Uh, I'm excited for the episodes to follow up from this one for a few reasons. Um, so back in April of 2022, a book was published called Y'all Means All, and the subtitle of that book is The Emerging Voices of Queering Appalachia. The book was edited by a friend of mine, uh, Zane McNeil. Zane, if you're listening to this, I want to thank you for putting all of this together. It couldn't have happened without you. Uh, they are a activist from West Virginia, and they did the work of bringing together this collection of material to help people from our region who have historically been oppressed and marginalized and discounted from standard narratives of what life is like in Appalachia, Zane brought these folks together for them to tell their own stories of what it meant and what it means to be in their shoes in this present moment. And it is just a an amazing project that they've put together. It is a wonderful collection. I haven't had a chance to read it or get a copy of it, but I'm working on doing so. 
But from all that I've heard of the folks who have read it, it's just phenomenal. And I was really thankful again to Zane for getting me in touch with a few of the contributors to this collection. And those conversations have resulted in three interviews that I'm going to be publishing here over the next little bit. And our first interview is going to be published today. I was so honored to be joined by Beck Banks, and I had a great conversation with Beck about their piece, and I'll um, just let them describe it to you in a much better way than I could here in this little preview. But before I get into uh, mine and Beck's conversation, I just want to say this. This book is about giving people the space to tell their own stories, to be honest and frank about their life experiences based on their conditions and circumstances. And there's so many reasons why I'm so glad that this book has come out, but one of the reasons is that at the heart of it, I think that the mission that they have in putting this material together and publishing it, uh, Zane and the others, and the goal that I had in starting this podcast is that, and Beck and I talk about this in our in our interview, so often stories have been told about Appalachia and the folks who live here without giving space for us to tell our own stories. People will come into the region, some with good intentions, a lot of the times without good intentions, to tell us who we are, what we're about, and what we need, instead of asking us those questions and letting us answer for ourselves. And for any group, but especially groups who have historically been marginalized, pushed to the fringes, and oppressed... I think that part of reclaiming what it is to be ourselves and taking positive steps in the direction of making our communities better for everybody who lives there, uh, to make our communities as safe and as welcoming and as filled with love as they can be for people to grow and flourish in their own way, it has to start with us speaking for ourselves. And that is one of the main objectives of this book and... I'm so glad that it's come together so that people can just have that space, like I said, to tell their own stories, to speak for themselves in a meaningful way, to show us, to show others who they are and what they're about. Uh, every conversation I had with the contributors to this this collection was just fantastic. I'll thank them again individually as the, the episodes air. But uh, again, thank you to Zane for for putting this collection together, but also for getting me in touch with these these folks that I'm that I'm going to talk to over the next few uh, episodes, and I uh, am so glad to be bringing this conversation to you guys. This interview, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Stay tuned for the next few episodes to follow uh, in this series that um, we're we're having covering the the authors of Y'all Means All. And I again, I'm so glad to be joined by Beck Banks to talk about their contribution to the piece. And without further delay, let's get into it. Beck, thank you so much for your time and for being on the podcast today. I've been really excited, as I told you, to have this conversation. And before we get started, I just want to give you the moment, uh, the floor to uh, introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your contribution to Y'all Means All, maybe go into what that collection is for folks listening who may not know uh, that it's out there, uh, and anything else that you'd like to say to get us started, go right ahead. The floor is yours. Oh, yeah. Just a little introduction. Uh, my name is Beck Banks. Uh, just got a PhD in uh, 
communication media studies from University of Oregon, just wrap that up. And my whole emphasis and my research um, was to look at transgender rurality, and particularly the activists that were there. So I found myself naturally kind of going back to my home area, which was East Tennessee, uh, and uh, doing a lot of work there, uh, you know, an ethnography where I immersed myself with a variety of groups uh, and uh, wrote about wrote about that, and, and will be a book at the University of a through the University Press of Kentucky. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, been a good year. I'm still out in Oregon, uh, but I did spend a very long time and grew up on on Eastern Tennessee, and. Uh, during my dissertation work, I uh, I started working with the group Queer Appalachia and was helping them out with their writing. And there was a very deservedly, uh, deservedly a cancellation of that group, which was surprising to me and so many others who were, who were working closely with them. Um, and I was writing, writing a couple chapters for Queer Appalachia. They'd give me the outline, I would go through, fill in a lot of things. Uh, and... Um, that meant that I had lost about six months of work when we removed it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and it was such a wonderfully done democratic process and uh, just be like, do we continue going forward with this group? And I, I how much can be believed? Should we have this part? And it really kind of helped the community formation, uh, which I think is like a key thing that's occurred throughout this book with the way that we've connected to each other, kind of understood. And at that point in time, I, there was a care network that occurred uh, because of how disruptive the situation had been with this particularly well-known group and, and how that has inspired the book in the first place. Uh, so thinking about like how we can move on past this. Uh, and um, I was okay with the, the chapters being removed. Uh, I was a little, little sad on my part because that was something I was doing along with the research I was doing otherwise. Um, I was going to stop me from graduating. And uh, so there was some shifting and I said I'd be happy to copy edit or support in any other way, which which I did uh, and helped out with the book in that regard. And then at the very end, I was like, you know, I've got a, a little essay that I wrote a while ago that might work in this. And Zane was absolutely like, let's put it in. Um, and that particular chapter was, uh, it was something from my comprehensive exams where I had to put transgender studies in conversation with Appalachian studies. And there's so much porous overlap. I mean, clearly there are people in, who are trans in Appalachia, but I'm just kind of like looking at the ways that these, both of these have been so deeply stereotyped, right. uh, being Appalachia and being trans. And um, you can see like the way that people treat those narratives. Uh, and so that, that's, that's the chapter that I contributed to it after, you know, kind of a saga getting there. Um, and, and it's just been lovely to continue the marketing process and see like what all these people are doing next. I think it's just been a great, launching board and um, just has made everybody better for being a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I myself haven't had a chance to uh, get a, a copy of the, the material from the uh, collection that y'all means all, but I, and I was just enthralled to learn about it in the first place and learn about all of the different contributions that you all are, are making to it. And as you just said, work, it's, it's important work to be doing because as you said, there's so much stereotyping that goes on about both, you know, um, transgender folks and and the LGBTQ plus community more widely, as well as Appalachians. And uh, in both those respects, as you, as you as you just mentioned, of course, there are trans people in Appalachia and, and a lot of uh, members of the LGBTQ community in Appalachia who are so often overlooked because of the stereotypes about the region that are so often propagated and getting this material out there as a way to create space for those folks to tell their own narratives to talk about their experiences, to give their ideas about what can be done 
to make this region as best as it can be for all the folks who live here, including the many members of the LGBTQ community who call it home is just such important work to be doing. And so I'm, I'm glad to know you and all the other folks who are working on this. And uh, so as we had this conversation about, about your piece and about this work in general, I'd like to give you the floor to just take the conversation in any direction that you'd like, uh, whether you want to go into the, uh, any details of the research that you did or, or anything else like that, go right ahead. Yeah. Um, well, for this particular one, this was like, uh, for this piece, it was all about kind of setting the ground for me to do what would be next. Right. Uh, and that was, yeah, uh, saying, Oh, how can I think about these two together? Uh, it's so weird that we haven't had many folks doing that, which is part of the reason y'all means all the, the emerging voices querying Appalachia is so important. Um, because if you don't have people telling their own stories or coming from perspective in some way, it, they're just going to constantly get other. Uh, and I think we've seen this like a history, a very strong history of this happening with Appalachia, where right. other people are telling stories about the region. Uh, and therefore, it just ultimately just lacks some sort of authenticity and just works on like uh, it, it goes negative easily. Right, uh, and, right. and it's uh, it's impossible to talk about like. Uh, Appalachia without people having like one idea. I mean, I know constantly thrown around was like, there's a monolith. Uh, it's not a monolith. Uh, and 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 I think that that because you said also about trans people all the time. We're like, there's this group, and I'm just like, yo, no. Uh, what happens when you have queer people is it, it's less homogenous than right. straight cis people. Like that's the that, that's one of the things. Like there is a path uh, for a lot of folks that queer people don't have the same way. So a lot of that is trying to figure out that path and how powerful is it to be able to interact with others uh, and help understand that who are who are on their similar non non linear path. Right. Um, and actually, that's that's kind of what I ended up doing with, uh, well, the the book that uh, it, it's got a working title right now, Trans Caravan, where I talked about like um, all the paths that people have on their ways to better understanding each other and how that ultimately helps you understand yourself um just like uh through all these journeys that people have that are that are all, all over the place right. uh and become particularly compounded when there's a lack of understanding about who they are or where they're coming from as they are trying to figure that out themselves so um yeah i, I did at one point and this is this is a little bit more about that book um uh, trans caravan uh i went with a group uh they were called a transilient and they were doing a documentary about trans healthcare. And we went from West Virginia to Northern Georgia, uh, well, central Georgia, uh, interviewing people about their healthcare access that they had or really hadn't had who were trans right. uh, and the impact that that had on their lives. Um, and there's, it was incredibly emotionally draining um, and also recharged me in a lot of ways. Uh, because the whole time I managed to spend 14 to 15 days almost exclusively with trans people. Uh, that was the majority that I was with and hearing their stories. And the power of being able to immerse yourself in something like that. And I, I think that this also speaks volumes to y'all means y'all. Um, it, um, it, it is deeply influential uh, to folks who need that kind of lifeline. And I think it's also great for people who would like to understand uh, that don't quite have their heads wrapped around the, this is a pretty accessible compilation that we've made with y'all means all uh the, the voices emerging the emerging voices querying appalachia um it, i mean yeah there's some that have gone a little bit academic I, I would definitely probably be in that you know heady area uh for that one um which is not normally how i write but you've got like so many personal stories 
uh, and they're coming from all over the place. Like this is really a truly a, a, like Zane editor went out of his way to get this right uh to be able to make sure that the, right. there is a variety of voices uh and it, i've i mean i loved reading it the first time to such a degree that's like i need to be a part of this when i was copy editing that and um I, it's been interesting to hear feedback from people about zane's like this this uh compilation uh for y'all means all it because uh it's like family members picking it up that I wouldn't have necessarily thought allies um, and then being really proud of it too, right. which that changes a lot of stuff in smaller areas or uh, somebody I grew up with who worked at a religious college uh, uh, on the conservative side, who's like, I'm reading this now and trying to understand things better. Um, so I'm just like those ripple effects that you have uh, when you are coming from places like Appalachia and writing something, it's like, it, it, I, I feel like there's a, there's a little bit of pride that it, can kind of come past stigma uh, when it comes down to LGBTQ. They're just so there. There's just a lot that happened there that was that was very lovely in the reception of this work. That that's wonderful, and I I'm I'm glad to hear that how uh, much exposure it's gotten across. You know, folks who, like you said, you may not have thought at first would be interested in reading it or in understanding what it's like to be. A member of this community in Appalachia, the the uh, LGBTQ plus community, but you know that, like you said, it's so important for us to try to understand one another. We're trying to understand where each other are coming from, and really, the experiences that we've had that are different from people who are different than us is a way that we can kind of build community and solidarity in a really meaningful way that transcends any kind of superficial differences that we may uh, have with each other. And I think that, you know, that's one of the reasons that I, I wanted to start this podcast. Another reason is so that I've wanted to give folks an opportunity to tell their own stories, uh, because as you said, both of these communities that we're talking about are um, uh, groups that have had stories told about them by people who aren't a member. And so that has led to a lot more, uh, I think, a lot more negative uh, uh, occurrences than, than positive. And a way that we can counteract that is by having platforms to tell our own stories and whether that's through um, the written work, whether it's through other kinds of media, it's just so important for us to build that empathy and that compassion with one another to understand where each other are coming from. And from that, I think it's a good place that we can start making the change, doing the work that we need to make our communities as safe as they can be for, for everybody. And that's especially true right now as we're seeing so much being done uh, not just in Appalachia, but really across the country at the state level and uh, a lot of prominent figures at the national level who are wanting to make a more exclusionary uh, community uh, than, than we would like to see, especially for folks in the LGBTQ community. And having this really accessible material through Y'all Means All is a way that we can take those first steps at helping each other to understand one another and building those kinds of networks of solidarity and community that can help us to counteract those um, forces that are trying to divide us and make us more exclusionary. So yeah. I, I think that's a really important aspect of this too. And I, I'm really glad that you all are doing such good work in, in furthering that good cause. Yeah. And, and just meeting all the people who have their, who ha who contributed to this, like the side, pro I wouldn't say side projects, like all the other work they're doing right. uh, is pretty jaw dropping too, which I'm sure you'll get to hear more about that as, as you get into this. But um, uh, it is not just this is this one contribution. It's just like this is the kind of contribution we want to keep making. Um, and, and I mean, I 
you know, I'm saying this from over in Oregon, but that like there, I wouldn't think I'm noticing a lot is that people got displaced. Essentially, they didn't feel comfortable enough. There were other opportunities, other places like the classic story of like, I mean, it was say brain drain uh, and Appalachia is just like part of this, I, I would say, has a lot also to do with queerness. Um, right. Yeah, that there, there, it would be great if there were some more jobs, if there would be more people who would stick around if they felt a little bit more comfortable too. Um, so that that's, uh, I, I hate to use the word diaspora, but it, with, with, within this context, but that is a real thing. Um, right. A lot of the contributors have, have relocated um from where they grew up and you know it's sad like when you feel that way about your sense of home where that is something that you have were didn't feel invited into in the first place um and i think that it would also like i mean clearly it would benefit queer people but i think it would just benefit appalachia on the whole like it would be amazing like if you want some like a Writing phenomenal work like I have seen from the people uh, who 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 are contributing to this, like that seems like something that anybody, any place would benefit from and just be proud of. Um, yeah, it, it, in, in the, the division that's happening right now, a trans on the whole is really rough. Uh, uh, in, in terms of legislation, it, it seems like that that is um, the new gay, uh, where right. people like, I, I just, this is, this is, I don't say history does history doesn't repeat itself. The context change, all these things, but there are certain patterns that emerge. And I'm seeing that like I did against, uh, anti-gay legislation for years. Now is anti-trans legislation. Right. Um, that seems to be extra at this juncture, uh, not to say that anti-gay legislation is gone. Um, I saw a particularly bad one the other day in Oklahoma that was about basically forcing people to detransition who are between the ages of 18 and 24. And um, that is, I mean, a lot of this just feels murderous uh, because right. it is like that. That's the plan is to actually take, to destroy people's lives um, and their well-being. And I think the ultimate idea is that they erase themselves. And I've seen this when I've sat in on so many like, talks there was a oh there was one that was all about trans health care that was a zoom talk uh where 18 year olds were presenting it and crying because they were working at this place they were volunteering for it and if you want to see an 18 year old cry after going through a list of legislation geez i just don't know where your heart is right. um uh because there's yeah basically just let people be be well um i i would love to see I would, I would love to see more thriving, but th this is this is a weird situation that we've gotten ourselves into um, in terms of representation. So the more that we've talked about trans issues since like this transgender tipping point that was 2014, 2015, which is what it's re referred to, um, the, the higher, the, there's been a correlation in violence uh, and there's been a correlation in uh, the amount of anti-trans legislation. So, uh, it's it's a tricky thing to get into uh and, and this is one of those where i also go back to we need to have people who are trans producing things right being more involved in representation more involved in the stories because i'm wondering who a lot of these stories that i catch or for when we talk about like fictional roles i was like it is a really it's a precarious situation that people need to be taking more seriously instead of just checking a diversity box uh, when they're telling stories like that, it would be better to, to lift up more authentic ones. Uh, I believe in this in this instance to help with that. Um, it's not enough just to be like, oh, it's so sad to be trans or things like that. Like it, it's also the tropes that you get stuck in. And right. Going back like the Appalachian tropes, uh, the same stories being told, the same ways that they're being framed. Like, 
this is sad and poor. Like this is, uh, these are people who are potentially uh, upset with their lives. Uh, I'm just like, there is a lot of euphoria uh, and being able to figure out more about yourself in terms of your gender and being able to put more words to be able to, to connect in ways that you hadn't before. Um, but you don't see those stories as much. Uh, you don't see the various stories of Appalachia for the people who are who are doing phenomenal work, uh, particularly like, oh, geez, just the mutual aid that I saw out of right. Eastern Kentucky this last year. People just need to be taking notes on that. That that was a phenomenal situation. Uh, and I, I yeah, um, so impressive things that are being done and fairly underreported on the larger scale because folks don't understand how to get their how to get how to wrap their minds around things like this um like you're telling me that people in eastern kentucky take remarkable care of each other in a such a way that they were able to rebuild uh and just do so much on their own and like what is one of the most loving acts of folks coming together that i've seen um or that people who are trans are you know pretty happy if you weren't trying to kill us right. uh i mean that's it, it, and there could be more support systems so that more folks can thrive overall uh but it seems that we're in a we're in a time where it's more like don't do this instead of do this like i'm going to stop you every step of the way instead of let's grow uh let's figure out how to do things better together uh and i don't know what that is um, or, or why we're in this particular cycle where it's like, let's legislate, let's stop, let's harm. Right. Um, that appears to be the trend. No, I, th I think you're right. And yeah, you know, I think that perhaps the best way, maybe really the only way that we can uh, or should start in trying to ameliorate those harms is starting, as you said, at the community level, starting with in individuals themselves in, in these places, because, you know, it, legislative legislative changes is great you know there's nothing wrong with it it's just with uh, just for one example here in kentucky when you have uh just super majorities in both chambers that seem absolutely uninterested in doing anything to fix the problems that you and i have been talking about then really the only thing that we can rely on right now uh is ourselves and our communities on, on our individual level and you know that's exemplified as you so greatly pointed out through uh, examples like the mutual aid that went on here in eastern kentucky uh in the aftermath of the flooding at the end of the summer and i'm sure that it is something that can be applied to uh, systems of mutual aid in in other respects you, as you mentioned um, there's just a completely um, demoralizing lack of access to uh, health care for a lot of trans folks throughout Appalachia, as there's a general lack of health care for a lot of isolated and more rural communities in Appalachia itself. But uh, specific, uh, specifically for folks who are uh, in need of, of these kinds of uh, access to these resources that can be so transformative for them and their their general well-being and, you know, how we move to make that better is by working together at a community level in um, just doing whatever we can be, uh, at, in the moment with the resources that we have to make things better. And even if, you know, we move beyond just um, apart from something uh, like healthcare, more generally, I think that perhaps, and, I, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. It seems to me that one way that we can start to um, create a better existence for uh, folks in Appalachia, trans folks and, and others is to reaffirm that sense of community that that is so prominent here, as, as I'm as I'm sure you'd agree uh, in 
uh, in Appalachia and the idea of taking care of one another and taking care of each other's needs and standing up for one another as well. And, you know, like I said, that I'm sure that looks different for every community and then every individual. But I think that right now it's not only the, the only thing that we can rely on apart from, from, you know, not really in a lot of places being able to count on state legislatures, but it's, it's the better to rely on, I think, because, you know, these are people that you've grown up with that are family that, you know, and who, know better than most uh, uh, the struggles that you're facing. And I think I think that might be the best way for us to start. And, I, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that as well. You know, I, I would love that. One thing I have noticed is that sometimes it, I mean, there's a lot of power in knowing somebody and how that will change you. But the bigger thing is when your friend circle, your social circle wants right. to be inclusive uh so sometimes i worry when i hear like queer people who are trying to fight for a place within their family and whatnot i'm just like that, that that's time probably to get another family for a while uh like right. or, or to to figure out your own social circle so that you can thrive um but yeah I, there's so much power in somebody sticking up but one thing i have noticed is that at least in my part of appalachia um and, and i think this can apply to apply to others is that sometimes the person who's sticking out ends up being the problem um, sure. where they're just like, yeah, it, it's a, it's an old idea of groupthink. Like you're the one with the issues. So we're just going to push you out instead of understanding. And I also don't think some people understand they're actively pushing folks out. Right. I think they're like, if you could like, it, not that <laughs> they're probably not thinking this one either. Like if you conform, then you're totally okay. As long as you don't rock the boat. I remember at one point somebody told me you could have a nice queer life here as long as you don't mention it to anyone. And, and what kind like of what kind of existence is that? Yeah, I'm just like I I don't understand that they recognize how loud they are, uh, like in their day to day life. I'm just like it, it, just saying that you're have a partner. I mean that's a loaded thing. Um, or or, or bringing somebody to dinner. Like these are all right. things that show a coupling. Um, and then just like it, not everybody gets a choice uh, as to how out they are. Like I think ultimately i never had closet space uh so that really changed a lot for me like people who could pass a little bit more as non-queer whereas for me it was just it was from the get-go uh and um that's what needs to be taken into account too uh it's just like you can't say everybody can live a quiet life um but also why would you want to like don't don't erase yourself within your own life like this is so much disempowerment that happens uh and that's how you end up feeling like you have no agency you will you'll have nothing in your life if you aren't able to be a part of it like and that that's one of those ways that there's removal but yeah i, I mean i would love to people up their social game uh, on this like i think right. that's a huge process uh, within this um and it's not to just like I, I, there's so much enemy formation uh around trans i gotta tell you all there's a lot of enemy formation around appalachia right. uh, around rule like these are these are the things that we've decided uh are going to set us off to to make us angry uh and uh, yeah yeah i'm I'm all for sticking up a little bit more and understanding people have different needs uh so like what works for you might not work for somebody else and you don't need to push them into that um and just the in seeing like the different structures that can happen here um like within family within friends just understanding those differences um and it, sometimes it just irks me how much queer people have to lead that because I, I think that so much more happens when you have cis straight people 
who are doing who are doing a lot of that work, like informed. So um, right. I think if we have more, uh, if that was like more people joining like P flag or something, uh, I've seen them do some phenomenal work. Uh, and they really do a lot of the, hey, here's how you need to interact instead of asking people who are queer how they need to do that for them. I've also found that it really works if uh, you ask people who are queer how to, I don't know, uh, how to be an ally. Because uh, then you're already putting too much work on them. Um, but okay, that, that's, I, I, I also am fine with those kind of questions. Uh, how right. to be an ally. So it's just like, I just worry about, I guess I just, more and more, I worry about younger people who are having to go through things uh, that they may not be that prepared for. And I got to say, if there had been this kind of anti-trans legislation when I was younger, I would have, it, it, that would have wrecked me. Like as a high schooler, as somebody in their 20s, honestly, somebody in their 30s, as I'm getting older, I'm just like, for every age behind me, I'm just like, take care of these but. Also, how incredibly demoralizing is this for older people who are trans right. uh, that are having this experience where they're just like, well, yeah, I was ignored, you know, ridiculed, that kind of thing, but not actively pursued like this. Um, and that's not something you want for your older people, too. Um, so, yeah. Lost there. Yeah, I, I the other day, that this is getting just slightly off topic. Um, I found out, like, you know, I'm in Oregon right now, and 62% of people voted. So it had the highest voting rate in the last election. And it's because when you get your, like, when you register for your driver's license, you're registered to vote. Right. And then we do it by mail. So it just shows up. There's there's never been an issue with the mail, really. I think maybe somebody had their couple ballots stolen at one point. Uh, but it's been a very safe, good system. You can just take it directly to a ballot box. Um, so we have the highest voting rate. And how great would it be if this was going back to like the allowing people to do things instead of preventing um right, right. Like getting in the way of like their medical choices or their life choices um i'm just like that would that might that might be one of those things that actually changes the country uh so like giving that access having those kind of things making sure that everybody can be involved and i i think that kind of goes back to one of the key things with the all means all which is like this is the idea that everyone can be involved uh and um queer people in their own lives and and everybody uh in building a stronger better community absolutely uh, and that hey that is a key thing like I mean, that's one of the best traits of appalachia we can say that it's just like community so why is it undermining itself um i i just i i, I it's um I, I i do feel like there has been more uh, over the past several years, LGBTQ activism has been very open in the region, and I love that. Um, I think that's a, a sign of the times and that you've got people who do feel strong enough within that they can talk back or they can say, let's do things differently. Um, so I like that, but I'm I'm not going to confuse time with progress on it. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, but uh, ultimately, yeah, I don't know. But, it, but fascinating work that is coming from the area and a lot of wonderful people doing it. So I appreciate you highlighting it. I, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that that's something that I've seen uh, just, you know, I, I've lived here my whole life uh, uh, in Eastern Kentucky. And one thing that I've been so um, glad to see, and, and like you said, don't want to confuse time with progress and, and in striving towards justice, you know, it's not always a straight line. It's uh, I was talking to a guest on the show the other day and or, or yesterday, and, and he made the same point that, you know, progress is is not just a straight up. It's it's got its ups and downs. But one thing that as I've grown more aware of, of these issues and in my own kind of journey to where I am politically, it, it, it's been great seeing folks 
just in generally, especially my age and, and even older people too, becoming more accepting and, and loving of people from, from all backgrounds, including uh, folks who are uh, in the LGBTQ community. And uh, I, I've been really glad to see that happening. And I think that it will continue as, as, as time goes on. And, but like you said, we have to be doing the work to make sure that we create those communities where that can happen, where people do feel seen and heard comfortable being themselves, comfortable being open about being themselves and, and most importantly, safe in being themselves too, safe from all kinds of, of dangers to the, to their health and their wellness. And uh, I think that the work that you all are doing through y'all means all is such an important part of that work. And, and I'm glad to see the good feedback it's gotten and, and that it will get, uh, we just have a few minutes left here. And so uh, I want to Beck, thank you again so much for your time, for your contribution, for the great work that you're doing uh, uh, in, in, in this uh, endeavor. And I want to give you the floor for these last few minutes to just say anything that you'd like uh, to close us out, anything at all, uh, go right ahead. And, and thank you again. I, I, I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, and you're, you've got a treat ahead of you for the next three people that you're interviewing for y'all means all they are powerhouses uh we've been promoting the book together mostly through like zoom uh and uh, it's just they have a they are they are offering a lot to the world um so thank you for giving this platform i really appreciate it it's been a pleasure chatting with you tj um and uh yeah thank you likewise beck and and you're welcome again on the podcast anytime that you'd like uh before before we leave uh for those who are listening who would like to read y'all means all if you have any ways that uh, you could mention that they could get a hold of the book. Uh, go right ahead and mention those. Uh, you know, it's actually it's so available, which is something I meant to say earlier. It's, it's sold about four thousand copies. And oh wow, I've that's actually, awesome! I've run into it in Oregon, and activist groups in Portland know y'all means all. Uh, so I, I, I've been just absolutely awed. I've I've seen it in bookstores all over the place. Uh, so yeah, if you want to get it, PM Press. Uh, as a publisher, you can go there, but it's also available through major uh, places such as, I hate to say it, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles online. Uh, but yeah, check out your uh, check out your local bookshop. Find your independent bookstore because I know a lot of them have been stocking them. Uh, I've run into them all over the place, such as Malaprops for sure, uh, Firestorm. Uh, you you'll you'll find it. Um, right. So definitely encourage that. Um, so uh, thank you so much, TJ. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Beck. I appreciate it. Well, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And thank you guys for everything that you do to support the podcast in whatever way that you do. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. So thank you. If you like that music that you're listening to in the background, that is a piece called In the Sweet By and By by a great artist named Zechariah Hickman. And you can find him on YouTube. Be sure to check his channel out. Be sure to follow the podcast on social media for all of the updates going forward. It's at App Firesides on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to join us next week for another installment of our Sights to See and Places to Be in Appalachia series. And be sure to join us the following week for another full-length episode. But until then... Stay safe, stay healthy, love your neighbor, and do good things. Catch you guys next time.